Well, good morning. Take your Bible, turn to Hebrews, and we're going to be in chapter 3 this morning as we continue our teaching series on the book of Hebrews. And so I'll give you a moment to flip over there or take your smartphone out and scroll to that place. Hebrews chapter 3, we're going to be starting in verse 6. It is so good to see each and every one of you here this morning. Sorry I missed you last week. If you were here last week, uh, uh, we were... uh, uh, wrongfully attacked by the stomach flu, first time in 20 years of ministry where I had to miss a Sunday because of the stomach flu, and so I uh, appreciate Seth and filling in for me at the spur of the moment, and the rest of our leadership, Seth did a fantastic job as he always does, and so grateful for you guys and all the calls and texts and messages, I hopefully we get better soon, so although I probably could have preached Sunday morning, I feel like that you guys would rather me not share my germs, but share the word, right? And so uh, glad that uh, you guys are here, and Glad you guys are healthy and glad to be back with you. Now, I hate umbrellas. I just want to be honest with you guys about that, okay? Uh, I, there always is an umbrella in my car or my truck. Uh, my wife puts them in there sometimes, but I loathe them. And I'll tell you why I hate them so much is because I feel like that I can get from point A to point B faster by running or walking very fast than I can to get out of my truck, open up the umbrella, walk underneath it, and put it down. Are y'all with me on that? And therefore, I hate them. They get in the way, they frustrate me, and they always seem to open up at the wrong time. And so... I don't carry them around a whole lot. In fact, I believe God made rain jackets for a purpose. You can take them on and off. You can wear them in your car. You never have to take it off, right? They make them stylish. They have pockets. They even fold up in a little bitty pouch sometimes. And then I have something called frog togs that you never get wet in and you stay dry for the rest of your life. Y'all with me? I hate umbrellas. But when I read Hebrews chapter 3, and we finished up two weeks ago in verse 6, I'm going to throw that up on the screen here for you for a moment. One of the blessings about being in the family of God is that you sit under an umbrella of grace. Now, I want you to understand what that means. To stand, to sit under an umbrella of grace means that because you've been rescued, because you've been redeemed, because Christ has forgiven you, you stand under the protection of God from hell. You stand under the blessing of God because of His grace. And you stand under the perseverance that the Holy Spirit empowers you to do because of His power. Make sense? And I want you to notice, we ended up here a few weeks ago, but notice what it says here. But Christ is faithful, is a faithful son over God's house, and we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to the confidence and the hope in which we glory. And what that means is simply this, holding to the confidence of Christ means that we persevere in our faith, we don't lose our salvation, but we persevere in our faith by standing under the protection of God's umbrella. So while I hate them, metaphorically, I love them. Y'all with me on that? You stand under a position of protection. You stand under a position of grace. You stand in a position to where all of the worries of the world, even though they attack us and we struggle with that, we can be confident in knowing that God's grace protects us. We stand in a permanence of salvation. We stand in a position to where when we mess up, God forgives. We stand in a position to where all the curses, all the fear of hell, all those things are bounced away from us because of Jesus, right? But here's the problem. While the Bible offers us an umbrella, many of us continue to wear our spiritual rain jackets. And what that means is this, is that we love the fire insurance part of heaven, but pursuing Christ is not a priority. While we love the fact that we identify ourselves as God-fearing people, the reality is, because of circumstances, because of sin, because of apathy, because of inconsistency, whatever it may be for us, for you, 
is that we find ourselves identifying with God but not pursuing God, and that hardens our hearts. Y'all been there before? Instead of standing under that umbrella and loving that blessing, we just like the rain jacket. Now, the author of Hebrews is writing to a people who have been persecuted by their, for their faith. They've lost their homes. They've lost their lives. They've lost their livelihood. They've lost their relationships. They were formerly Jewish. They came to know Christ. And one thing he does here at this moment is he writes a word of warning to them. And he's saying this, and he says it in verse 7, and he quotes Psalm chapter 95. Now, since this is a book or a letter written to Hebrew Christians, to quote an Old Testament passage is something that he regularly does, okay? But he writes this, and he quotes Psalm 95 in these verses. He says this, So as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, verse 8, do not what? Let's say that together, make sure you're awake. Do not what? Harden your hearts. Now, this is the commandment, this is the struggle that all of us deal with is that we tend to love God's grace, but we harden our hearts to the things of Him. Make sense? Now, this could be a circumstantial issue, like I said. This could be a it, this could be a uh, a temptation issue. More than likely, for most of us in the room, this is a consistency issue. Get me on you. Get me on that. And because of those things, our hearts become hardened. To what God offers. Now understand, when we talk about a hardening of heart from a biblical perspective, this is used many times in the Old Testament, this is used in the New Testament as well, the heart is the seat of emotions, the seat of intellect, the seat of spirituality and morality and spiritual pursuit. You follow me so far? And to harden that means that we want to reject what the messenger says or, what the mess- or who the messenger is altogether. And y'all been there before. I've been there before, man. We know what God says, but I really don't want it right now. Y'all with me? I can't tell you how many times I brought couples into my office and they want to get married and one of them's not a believer and the one other one says, well, I love him or her so much, I don't care what the Bible says. I'm going to do it anyway. So we harden our hearts because of certain things. We reject the message we reject the or, and or we reject the messenger altogether. When I went to Valdosta State University as a freshman many, many moons ago, I met a guy, we'll call him Todd, and I was new in my faith as far as pursuing my faith. I, I was really starting to grow spiritually, and for the first time in my life, I found accountability, I found encouragement, I found people around me who would help me and pour into me, and it was great, and this guy named Todd was a spiritual giant among college students, and I mean, he was just somebody I looked up to. He was not fearful of anything. He didn't care about cool points. He was bold in his faith. He was a leader. Uh, he was uh, willing to talk about Jesus and challenge me in my faith, and I, I was just thinking and looking at him, I was like, I will never be like this guy. Y'all ever been around people like that? It's like, ain't no way that's ever going to happen for me because I just can't get to that place. But I remember just watching him going, man, there is a spiritual jealousy there that I wish I could grab hold of the passion that he has. Long story short, Todd moved off as as an exchange student somewhere in Europe and came back a year later. And because of some lifestyles that he began to buy into and some philosophies he began to hold on to and because of some new religions he began to cling to, his heart began hardened so to the point to where he had rejected the message and the messenger and the mere mention of Jesus was something that would cause anger. You ever met somebody like that? Or have you ever been that person before? And so that begs the question, these Hebrew Christians are dealing with so much persecution as they're dealing with so many issues. How do we prevent our hearts from being hardened? Y'all with me on that? Or maybe you're in a position right now where your heart is hard. 
Maybe you want it to thaw out. Maybe you're here this morning and it's like, I'm only here because I have some type of belief, because mom and dad raised me to be here this way. How do I, how do I bounce out of this? Y'all follow me on this, right? Because every person in this room, I truly believe this, struggles with this issue. Just as these Christians who are being persecuted from their faith, the author continues to tell them that Jesus is better than anything that you have. Don't harden your heart. How do we bounce out of it? How do we move forward? How do we prevent this from happening? Well, it all comes down to one phrase. It's all about the word. That's our big idea this morning. You need to understand that everything we talk about hinges on this fact that it's all about the word. It's all about what God tells us and how we begin to cling to that and how we begin to follow through on that. So let's dive into the text. I'm going to read it through. Then we're going to come back and dissect it a little bit. Y'all with me on that? So let's start in Hebrews chapter 3, starting in verse 7. Notice what happens here. So as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your hearts. Now remember, he's quoting Psalm 95. As you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. Now let's stop here. Now remember, the Israelite people, if you go all the way back to the end of Genesis and the beginning of Exodus, the Israelite people had found refuge in Egypt and generations had passed and the Egyptians had forgotten about how God had sent them there and how he used Joseph to rescue them from a plague and from starvation. And because the Israelite people were growing in number, the Egyptians enslaved them and forced them into hard labor. And they cried out for the Lord to come to deliver them, and he raised up a guy named who? Moses. And Moses came, and he sent to Pharaoh. You remember Charles and Heston? Set, let my people go, right? Set my people free. And so they go, and they cross the Red Sea, it parts, and they go into the wilderness, and for 40 years they wander in the wilderness. Now, you got to understand, this is only a two or three week journey, but for 40 years they're wandering there because their hearts had become hardened due to the circumstances that they were living in. Y'all follow me so far? They wanted deliverance now. They wanted the Burger King way of doing religion, my way, right away, right now. And they weren't getting it. Now, for you and I, the hardening of heart like I said before, could be circumstantial. You could be going through a grievous time. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe you're struggling with cancer. I don't know. It could be, it could be a temptation. And I find myself here all the time. It's like, man, that feels good. I want to keep doing that because it gives me ultimate gratification at the very moment. And instead of relying myself or relying on the joy that Christ gives, I step into this sin for a few moments and I'm just going to continue to do it. And that therefore it hardens my heart. Any of y'all ever been there before? Everybody say yes. All right, we have. And then there's that other one where it's just we become apathetic, and this is probably the most dangerous place because we all know when we're sinning and we all know when we're depressed, right? But when we're not consistent, well, man, I'll just skip church this week. I'm tired. Well, I'll just skip church this week too because, man, i got to meet somebody. Or I'll just skip church this week because of this. Or I'll just skip reading the Bible because I stayed up too late watching the Georgia game. And, it, and the excuses go on and on. Y'all hear it. Y'all, y'all know what I'm, I'm stepping, I'm, I'm, I'm meddling in your life right now, right? Right? And, the, and, the, and it goes on and on and on. And what that happens is it begins to harden our hearts from hearing God's word. It's hearing the message and receiving the messenger. And what happened in Israel is Psalm 95 talks about, and as he's relaying again in Hebrews chapter 3, is that these people had hardened their hearts to the Lord even though God had delivered them. And even as believers, Christ delivers you, delivers me, that we harden our hearts at times. All right? This is a choice we make. Now, let's keep reading here. Verse 10. That is why I was angry with that generation. 
I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my way. So I declared an oath in my anger that they never, they shall never enter my rest. See to it. Now here's the, he goes back from quoting Psalm 95, and he goes into the imperative here. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Now there's a great quote there, okay? It's pretty simple. See to it that you don't have an unbelievable or a sinful heart that turns away from God. Pretty simple, right? And then he keeps saying this, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called a day so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has it just been said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in rebellion. And then verse 16, who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? Were they not those people who had experienced deliverance? Were they not those Christians in present day who had experienced redemption, who were baptized, who understood what it meant to feel God and to worship God and to be, to be on fire for the Lord? Was it not these people, was it not you and I, who experienced Christ, and because of that experience, we were on fire, but something happened, and we became, became hardened? Speaking close to home for any of us? Keep reading. Verse 17, and with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom God did, whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their what? Unbelief. Now, the question is, how do we keep our hearts from being hardened? And what we're going to do is extract four principles out of this text. The first one is this, to prevent your heart from being hardened, or, if your heart is currently hardened, our first step is we have to learn to hear the word. Now, this is a simple one. This is, but it's also the first one we stop doing. To hear the word, go back to verse uh, 7 and 8. Notice what it says. So, that as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not what? Harden your hearts. And he skips on down to verse 16. Today, if you hear his voice, or 15, I'm sorry. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. There is something about hearing God's word, and when we choose not to hear it, our hearts become hardened, right? And so that speaks to the inconsistency that you and I sometimes fall into. Because I'm going to be inconsistent in reading the Bible. I'm going to be inconsistent about going to church. I'm going to be inconsistent about life group or whatever it may be for us. Is that when we're inconsistent in hearing the word, that opens up a doorway and a pathway for you and I to experience a hardness of heart. And for many of us, we have muted our eardrums, spiritually speaking. And God's not saying anything to you because, hey, the reality is we're not listening, are we? And what begins to happen is that heart becomes hard, is that we begin to reject that message. And so when we want to get back on that pathway of not having a hard heart, hear me on this, we got to start learning to listen. we got to start putting ourselves in a position to hear. The second thing we need to understand as we extract out of this passage is that the hearing is that sometimes we hear it, but we don't believe it. We have to learn to believe the word. Now, seeing is what, guys? But not always. Seeing is not always believing. 
Because I'm willing to bet for those of you that know Christ, you've experienced him in some powerful ways. You've learned what it means to be redeemed. You've learned what it means to have a relationship with him. You've learned all these things, but the reality is, even though you've experienced it, the totality of that message does not encompass you at times. Y'all with me on that? Seeing sometimes is believing. Hearing sometimes is believing. But more times than not, we hear God's word. Maybe we're forced to come to church. Maybe we're forced to go to a small group or because we have been faithful in the past and mom and dad raised you to be here. The thing is, we show up, but we're hearing, but we're really not believing what's happening. It's like, God, I hear what you're saying when you say you'll never leave me or forsake me, but I really don't know if I believe that. God, I hear what you're saying that you love me always and you'll forgive me of all my sins, but I'm not sure if I believe that right now. Y'all been there before? I mean, it could be a plethora of different things that you struggle with. But the reality is, is when we choose not to believe anymore, and the better word may be trust, then we choose to allow our hearts to become hard. Notice what it says in the text here. Get what's happening. Let's go to verse 9 and 10. Notice what it says. Where your ancestors tested me and tried me, though for 40 years they what? Saw what I did. I mean, you got to think about the Israelite people. They saw the Red Sea parted, right? They saw God do some amazing things through Moses. Every morning they walked out and there was manna on the ground. Manna was a type of food, and it was on the ground. They went and collected it and ate it. God was providing for every need. They saw God do great things, but they didn't believe he was doing great things, or they believed he was going to deliver them eventually. You follow me so far? And so many times we see him do good stuff, but belief isn't there. Notice what it says in verse 10. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said their hearts are always going astray. They have not known my ways, so I declared an oath in my anger. They shall never enter my rest. And then notice what he says here later on in verse 16. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Were not those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that he would never enter his rest and not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their what? You get that? When we choose not to trust, we choose to allow our hearts to be hardened. Can we just all say ouch for a moment? (laughs) When we choose not to hear and we choose not to believe, the enemy has a wonderful way of sneaking in and allowing the temptations to come and the hardness to happen. Now, There are those of us who hear it, and then we believe it, but then the next step is we don't obey it. Now, we know exactly what this is like. This is where it gets kind of easier to discern, right? Because we know what's going on, we believe what's going on, and and all of us like that. I mean, we live in the South, we live in America, you know, we love mom, apple pie, and Jesus, right? That's what we're about. And so, because we're here, and because we love Jesus, we're going to believe what he said. Even in the midst of our rebellion, dude, we, and I've seen this so many times, and you've done it too and seen it too, and it's like even in the midst of rebellion, well, we will fight you for what we believe about Christ, right? But we may not obey it. And the thing that's so interesting, even as I've had children, you know, it's kind of like my children hear what I'm saying, don't do this. They believe what I'm saying. If you do this, you'll be punished. They still don't obey what I say. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And as children here, as children, as, even as adults, we know, hear what God's saying. We believe what God's saying. I just don't feel like doing what God's saying. Been there? 
And here's what's so fascinating about this point. Is that when we get to this place in our spiritual journey, let's go to verse 12. Notice what it says here. Get this. When we get to this point, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. To turn away from God is to disobey. And when we choose disobedience other than obedience, we cast our doubt upon who God is, and our hearts become hardened. And we begin to not hear, we begin to not believe. And so many of us find ourselves in this place, categorically speaking. Is it while I believe, while I hear, I don't, I'm not going to obey it. I'm just not going to do it. I don't care anymore. Or maybe we can find any excuse in the world. Y'all been there, right? But here's the next part of this story. And this is where it gets really difficult. Because some of us in this room, our hearts are hardened somewhat. And it's not because we're not hearing. And it's not because we're not believing and trusting. We've got all that. And it's not even because we're not obeying. I mean, we're moral people. We do the right thing, right? I mean, we don't drink, cuss, or chew or go out the girls will do. I mean, all that stuff, right? You'll get that at dinner. Here's the deal. But it's that, it's that fourth aspect that we're about to deal with is that we're not sharing in the Word. Now, sharing in the Word encompasses a couple things, but we're going to start in verse 13. I want you to notice what he says here. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that, and, and get this next part, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Now, when I grew up, 1 plus 1 always equals what? Y'all didn't say nothing. 1 plus 1. Y'all smart, right? Here we go. <laughs> I found a new way to pray for our church right there, all right? Here you go. One plus one equals what? There you go. You're alive. Here we go. One plus one equals two. And so many times we try to interpret Scripture and we think it's some kind of mystical thing we got to do. If you go to any Barnes & Noble or any bookstore, you'll go down the religious aisle. And it's like, how to, how to interpret your Bible through a parrot? I don't know. I mean, how do you interpret your Bible through this? Or there's a code in the Bible. Look, sometimes you just need to read it, and it says this, and that's, guess what? That's exactly what it means, right? Read this. Notice what he says here. Here's one. But encourage one another daily. That's one. Okay. As long as it's called today, that's one. Here's where it equals. Here's two. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Do you see that? One plus one is two. Here's what he's saying here. It's really simple. We share in the word together because we need each other's encouragement, exhortation, encouragement is what that means. Gospel-centered encouragement so that we stay away from the deceitfulness of sin. Y'all with me on that? We need that. And part of gospel-centered living is that you and I take the Word of God and we're able to have a gospel presence in our families, in our workplaces, in our relationships with other people. That's where it begins to seep into our lives. And for many of us, our hearts are hardened in some ways is because we're not experiencing that. We believe it, we obey it, we hear it, but we're not sharing in it. Is that I'm going to do church on Sunday for about an hour, and this is the most Christian influence I'm going to have. But outside of that, mm-mm, mm-mm. We're, we'll, we'll, we'll say our prayer, okay? We'll do that at least four nights a week when we eat. But to be gospel-centered and to share in the Word, mm-mm. That's uncomfortable, Chip. That's difficult. And the flip side of that 
And our mission here is to bring truth and people together. And listen to me, you are missionaries in your own context. Is to express the word to other people through invitation, through Jesus, and how you live. Is that we get to express the gospel. And many of us, this is going to hurt, are more concerned about our cool points or not feeling awkward than we are people going to hell. And so the purpose is so important in this process because this church who's falling apart spiritually, emotionally, physically, they're losing their friendships, and and the author's like, look, continue to be together. When we go to Hebrews 13, you'll see this. Continue to meet together. Continue to encourage each other. Continue to share in the word with each other because you need it. And by the way, these people that are persecuting you, we see this in other parts of Scripture, pray for them, express Christ to them because they need this hope that you have. Jesus is what? Better. And so as we deal with this, as we struggle through this, as we understand this, we have to get to this point. Is it sharing in the word and gospel-centered living is necessary for our hearts not to be hardened? You see, I hate umbrellas. I do. I have two or three in my truck, though. <laughs> I hate them until I had children because I realized there is no way I could run fast enough to keep them from being pelted by the rain or whatever maybe we're running through, hail, whatever it may have been. Living in southeast Louisiana, I was parked in a Walmart parking lot. My son was eight months old, and we had something called a hurricaneator come forward. What is a hurricaneator? That's Louisiana for a uh, tropical storm, all right? Just think Irma. We're standing in the parking lot. Rain comes down. There is no way my rain jacket can cover him at eight months old, but this can. See that? And what's so brilliant about God's plans is that we stand under an umbrella, but you hear me on this church, you don't stand alone under this umbrella. There's a body that stands with you that you need as encouraging. Sometimes we neglect them. Sometimes we turn away from them. Sometimes we don't focus on them. Sometimes we bite each other, right? But under this umbrella is a a people of truth And when we're sharing in a gospel-centered way of living, we're sharing in the reality that Christ is for us, not against us, and that Jesus is what? Better. We need to share in the word with each other. And so how do we begin to apply this specifically in our lives this morning? Well, at this point during the church, during the service, I usually say something like, take out your connect card. And what happens is, this is everybody's key to close your Bible, get your purse, and get ready to go. Let's just be real with each other, right? But I'm going to ask you not to do that for right now. Our mission is to bring truth and people together. And I want you to take a next step in your relationship with Christ this morning. Whether you have a heart that is hardened or whether you are preventing a heart that's hardened, I'm going to ask you to take that connect card, connect card here for a moment and fill it out. And I'm going to ask you to do three or four things. First of all, if you're here this morning, and you've never been baptized, God has called you to do that. Take that next step and say, you know what, I need to do that. I don't need my heart to be hardened in that direction. I need to obey. And if that's you, check that box. The second thing I'm going to ask you to do is if you're here this morning, you've never joined a life group, you need to share in the word with other people. It begins in a community of of groups. We believe in that here. And I want to encourage you to take that next step and check that box. For some of you, You need to sit down with a pastor or someone in our church to pray with you 
And so you need a phone call from the pastor. You need to take that next step. All of us need to take a step into volunteering and serving other people. That's what it means to share in the word. And so maybe you need to check that box. But here's the deal. Some of you are here and your heart is hardened and it's because you don't know Christ. And what I want to encourage you to do, if you're here this morning and you don't know who Jesus is, there's a box on there and I want to ask Christ to come into my life. And I want to encourage you to check that box. And that will begin a conversation between you and I about how to take that next step in your faith. But do it. You see, you're asking this question of, Chip, my heart is hardened and I really want to get on that pathway. Well, listen to me. Your first step has been taken. You're hearing it this morning. Now let's start believing it, obeying it, and sharing it. Are y'all with me on that? Take that next step this morning. Do what the Lord's calling you to do. Keep your heart from being hardened. Let's pray together. Father, I pray this morning that you would just change us, that you would move us into a radical existence with yourself, that you would overwhelm us with your grace, and that your mercy would absolutely just flow all over us in, in how we live our lives and what we do and what we say. And I pray, God, that in these moments that you would just, just begin to convict, begin to move, and that, Lord, that we would stand under this umbrella of protection together, and that, God, that you would begin to change us. Father, I pray that in these moments that we would just truly worship. That, God, as we sing this song, it wouldn't be just lip service, but it would be a be an expression of how much you've changed us, how much you've overcome for us, and that, God, that we offer up our lives as a position of worship for you, and that, God, that you would move in us. Keep our hearts from being hardened. It's so easy, Lord. You know the temptations we deal with because you dealt with them, and you overcame them, overcoming for us. God, you know how sometimes we struggle with trust, and, Lord, help us trust. And, God, you know how much we struggle with sharing the word in our families and those we're around. And I pray that you would encourage us and strengthen us and give us the perseverance to do that. But, Lord, let it start today. Let it start with each one of us. And I pray, God, that we would hear it, we believe it, we'd obey it, and we would share it. Move. We pray this in the most powerful name of Jesus. Amen.